Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. If you've got your Bibles, while they're passing the offering bags, turn to Revelation chapter 5 this morning. Revelation chapter 5, as we continue through the book of Revelation. What an amazing book. And just even, you know, looking at, Revelation 4 and 5 over the last couple weeks, I can't imagine how much this meant to so many believers that are undergoing the worst kinds of persecution, especially when they begin to wonder if God is still in control. You know, because that is a question we all have at different times in our life. I know that some people say that they never doubt, but I don't believe that. And in Jude, it even says to have compassion on those who doubt. There are those, that human side of us. But God has given us His Word. He's given us His Word that is cemented for all eternity. And we draw such great comfort. We draw such great comfort. In this book, you've got to remember, the book of Revelation was originally delivered to a church under persecution and suffering. They were undergoing their own trials, much like what we took an offering for those believers today. Some of them had to flee the places they lived in. Some of their properties, according to Hebrews, was repossessed. When they went into jail and ministered, they didn't know whether the guards was going to tag them and mark them as Christians, and then their family was going to end up undergoing persecution or or arrest and even death, even death. So here we are in the book of Revelation chapter 4. We started with the throne room of God and we're going to continue with the throne room this morning but with a different scene. So let's stand as we read God's word together. Chapter 5 beginning in verse 1, we're going to read the entire chapter. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. Or so be it. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who, who lives forever and ever. Say it, amen. amen. You may sit down. Chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation... is all about worship. There's so much worship going on in the book of Revelation in these two chapters. There's so much honor and glory given to God. And worship of God, He alone is worthy for who He is and what He's done. For who He is and what He's done. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, Worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, and body, to what God is and says and does. And so as we looked at chapter 4, we saw that that was the response. That was the response. You had the 24 elders who I believe represent the Old Testament, New Testament believers. You have the four living creatures, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The 24 elders saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. It is worship to God. It is, it is the proper response for who He is and what He's done and what He does. And we live in a culture that worships ourselves. We pamper ourselves. We seek everything that's just really all about us, even in our own family relationships. But Revelation 4 and 5 should dial us back in as to why we're here, what we're here for. 
who we give honor to, who we give praise to, who we give glory to. And so we come to chapter 5. If you recall last week, chapter 4, the throne, God the Father was the center. Now we continue on in heaven in chapter 5, the Lamb who was slain is the center of attention. And it's all about worship. And I'm going to give you a heads up right now. I'm going to give you a heads up right now. I'm going to tell you that I am shortening my message this morning. Somebody giggled. Who was that? (laughs) I am shortening my message this morning intentionally. When I put this thing together this week, I was just so excited. And the Lord said, wait a minute. I want you to cut your message shorter. And I want an extended time of worship after the message. Because I really believe, listen to me, hear me, please, look at me, everything. Listen, look, everything. Our congregation needs to understand what it means to worship. Now, I agree that worship takes place way beyond the four walls of this church, but and obedience is the highest form of worship. Obedience is the highest form of worship. But here we, we see around the throne, they're praising God. I think that if the church in America needs to learn to do anything, they need to learn to worship again and to praise God once again. It is so part of our being and who we are and what we were made to do. And that's what you see going on in heaven. That's what you see at the very throne of God. And they're praising Him for who He is, what He's done. And so, I may come back. I probably will come back later and dive in depth on some certain things because I drilled down deep on certain passages this last week, and I want to come back and address those at a later time when I feel it's appropriate. But for this morning, you're going to get an abbreviated version so that we can have that time with the Lord afterwards. And I've divided the chapter into four sections. It is determined by the Greek phrase kai Adon, kai adon, in verse 1, and I saw. That's what it means, and I saw. In verse 2, then I saw. There's another section, verse 6, and I looked. Verse 11, kai adon again, then I looked. And, and those four phrases is what divide this chapter. There are four different scenes, if you will. It's the same location, but four different scenes. Kind of like, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Rope. One of my favorites are the rear window. That was another one of my favorites. And the whole movie takes place in a little apartment, but there's different scenes. And so here you've got the throne room of heaven, and you've got John with different scenes going on here. And they're divided by those literary devices, kai edon, kai edon, and I saw, or then I looked, then I looked. And so scene one deals with the seven-sealed scroll in verse one. And I saw Kai Edon in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And commentators are divided on what is that seal? What is that all about? What does that mean? Some believe it's uh, the new covenant. Others believe that it's God's redemptive 
plan all the way through history. But I happen to fall in the camp with those who believe it is the title deed of the planet Earth, and that's based off of a historical understanding of what deeds were in that day and how they were sealed, a contract for marriage, contract on leasing a place, a business deal. There were different kinds of scrolls that were sealed this way. And Robert Thomas, in his exegetical commentary, I believe, does the best job on bringing up the historical significance so you and I can understand what in the world this seal is talking about. So he's got two volumes out on the book of Revelation. Chapters 1 to 7 are covered in volume 1. And here's what he says. Here's what he says. Robert Thomas says this concerning the scroll, this kind of contract was known all over the Middle East in the ancient times and was used by the Romans from the time of Nero on. The full contract would be written on the inner pages and sealed with seven seals. Then the content of the contract would be described briefly on the outside. All kinds of transactions were consummated this way, included marriage contracts, rental and lease agreements, release of slaves, contract bills and bonds. Support also comes from the Hebrew practices. The Hebrew document most closely resembling this scroll was a title deed that was folded and signed requiring at least three witnesses. A portion of the text would be written, folded over, and sealed with a different witness signing at each fold. And a large, larger number of witnesses meant, the larger number of witnesses meant that more importance was assigned to the document, the amount of witnesses that there were. And so the best thing I can tell you concerning this scroll is that it is the title deed to the planet Earth. And this makes sense if you understand the doctrine of dominion. You remember when God created man and woman? Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to these words. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. If you're dating somebody who's a creep, you should have dominion over them, according to this verse. Genesis 1.26, God creates them, and then he says, have dominion. In other words, God creates everything. Man was the pinnacle of creation. Then God just gives them the keys to the shop and says, here you go. And so that they were to have dominion over God's creation. But something happened in Genesis chapter 3 that you and I know about. And that was when Satan had tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned. At that moment in time, that dominion was transferred to Satan. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but when you look in the Scriptures, it isn't so hard to believe. That's why when Satan tempted Jesus Christ in the wilderness, Satan says, look, If you bow down to worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms of the world. I will give you all these kingdoms of the world. That was a legitimate temptation that Satan was making towards Jesus because momentarily he has control of the kingdoms of this world. Now I'm going to add some parenthetical in a moment, but just understand that Satan has sway over the entire world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 says... We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In John 
Chapter 16, verse 11, when Jesus was speaking of Satan and his judgment that's going to take place at the cross, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. Now, you need to understand two things. Number one, even though he's called the ruler of this world, and even though he has gotten into every possible institution on the face of this planet. That's why governments are so corrupt. That's why you see slave trades going on. That's why you see the drug trafficking that's taking place. Satan has control of the world for a moment, but God has him on a leash. Satan can only do what God allows him to do, and especially when it comes to the life of a believer. When Satan attacks the life of the believer, he has to go through God for permission. We learn that in Job, and we learn that also when Peter was tempted in Luke 22. Jesus said, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat. And you got to understand this. God is the master chess player. He always allows Satan to do what he's going to do, but it always will ultimately fulfill the purposes and plans that God has in this world. So ultimately, the one in ultimate authority and what you need to understand is God Almighty. Now that's important. So what we've got here is the title deed to the planet Earth. Sealed by seven seals, which are going to be loosed beginning in chapter 6, and God's going to unleash hell on earth, if you will. And all of those who are unbelievers, they're supposed to repent. Some of them will. God always has grace coming forward with his judgment, and it is his desire and his will that all would come to repentance and that none should perish. But that's not the general outlook in the book of Revelation. You're going to have men shaking their fist at God rather than repent and say, okay, God, you really are King of kings and Lord of lords, and I bow my knee to you. They go the other way. And so here is the title deed to the planet earth because at the cross, at the cross, Jesus took that back. Listen to a prophecy concerning Christ in Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. There's a messianic prophecy. The whole psalm is messianic. And it says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son today. I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. But it begins with this scroll in the right hand. The right hand always symbolized power and authority. And it's in the hand of God on the throne. And all of a sudden the call goes out. Is anyone worthy to take the scroll? Is anyone worthy to take the scroll? And all of a sudden, there's silence. There's silence. See, this is scene two. This is scene two. We're talking about the credentialed one now. All of a sudden now, there's silence. And John begins to weep. Why is John weeping? Because if no one's able to take that scroll, then the world is going to continue on as business as usual. Satan will continue to reap havoc on this world. He will continue to destroy lives. He will continue to drag souls to hell. No one. John weeps. He weeps. How many of you have ever weeped over the condition of this world? 
You read something, all of a sudden you're reading and you're saying, how tragic is that? And you begin to cry and you begin to weep. And the question is, is there any hope? The question's always, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Or is, is things going to go as status quo? Are they going to remain the same? And this world is so tragic at times. You and I are insulated in many ways because of where we live. But even talking about the persecuted church, that's horrible what takes place. This is a fallen world and Satan just can't wait to get to the throats of those who proclaim to serve Christ. And so in scene two, this is verses two to five, we see the credentialed one and Jesus holds the credentials. The mighty angel, he says, wait, stop weeping. Stop weeping. There is one who's able to take the scroll. And it turns out it's going to be Christ because we know that he is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus has the credentials to take the scrolls according to two things in those verses. One, he is a fulfillment of prophecy. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. This was prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 49 in verses 8 to 10. Here's what it says. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judy. Return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. And here it comes. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. That's a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. Whoever the Messiah was going to be, whoever the Savior was going to be, whoever the person was that was going to overthrow Satan and his throne was going to have to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's what the angel identifies him as, and he also identifies him as the root of David. Another messianic prophecy fulfilled in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse from his roots, a branch which will bear fruit. Isaiah eleven ten says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. So whoever the Messiah was going to be had to be the shoot of David. And of course, when we look at the life of Christ and the genealogy that comes down, he's linked to David. He's linked to the lineage of David. He is the rightful king. There was a prophecy given that there would be one of David's descendants that would sit on the throne forever. His mother descended from that line, Mary. His father was not his biological father because Mary was conceived of a virgin. The Holy Spirit. So he holds the credentials because he's the fulfillment of prophecy, but also because he prevailed. Look at that with me. But one of the elders said to me, verse 5, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus prevailed. He's the only one that prevailed. He was born of flesh and blood. And he prevailed through temptation, he prevailed over sin, he prevailed at the cross, and he prevailed over death. He conquered everything. Jesus is the prevailing one. 
No other person in history can proclaim that. So now we move to scene three where the lamb takes the scroll. And this is in verses six to ten. And John sees a lamb. John sees a lamb as though it had been slain. In verse six, and I looked and I looked another scene coming and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, a lamb as though it had been slain. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.